Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official healthcare partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your hosts from SteelersDepot.com where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora. Always lit. Talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 96. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation. Dave, officially one week away till the start of the tampering period of the 2023 offseason slash free agency. Uh, Wednesday, March 15th will be the official start of the new league year. So news should pick up here. Pretty quickly, but it already has stayed with the 2023 NFL Combine essentially over some bench presses uh, to finish up on Monday, but a weekend of jam-packed football. It was good to see. Absolutely. Moving right along into the NFL calendar. I was going over it again with my uh, wife late last night. She says, now what's next? And I said, well, you know, kind of uh, the start of free agency here or, or specifically the legal tampering period. And then you get on into the uh, pro days and uh, just uh, the NFL, it just, it, 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 you know, it never sleeps there. Now it has been, uh, it's probably been the slowest couple of three weeks, I guess, We've seen in a long time when it comes to like, you know, flat out Steelers news or kind of Steelers related topics, you know, a year ago, uh, there was a lot more buzz, I think, coming out of the combine. I think we determined last night, right, there were those uh, Aaron Rodgers speculatory what do you call that? Speculor speculatorization? I don't know. <laughs> Specuport uh, is what I like yeah, to say. Yeah, specuports about Aaron Rodgers and 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 obviously the uh you know, there was a lot more buzz, I, I think, from or or uh paid attention when it came to the combine related to the quarterbacks because the Steelers obviously seem to be uh oh Lord. Uh Andrew Voorhees, a top one hundred mm-hmm. prospect. Uh, tore his ACL, man. That's it's one of my guys. Yeah, that was, and uh, oh man, you hate to, you hate to see that. Boy, oh, what that, a warrior! Dude did thirty eight on the bench today with a torn ACL. Yeah, man, you hate to see that. Man, I am sorry to interrupt my own opening monologue there, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, you go back to last year's combine and uh, you know, the quarterback need and all like that. So uh, I don't know. It'll start picking up here. Probably we'll, we'll see how quickly the Steelers start making some of these moves and all. Uh, but, you know, there, there's obviously news forthcoming because this team's got to got to make some cap room, got to get ready for the start of the new league year. And then, you know, we're not too, too terribly far along or, or away from from uh, the Steelers showing up at some of these pro days as well, too. So uh, but. You know, I think a lot of what we're going to be doing today is talking about the, uh, you know, some uh, other position groups at the combine. 
Yeah, we'll finish out the combine conversation. Also, my first really official Pittsburgh Steelers mock draft went up this morning. So you can check that out, check that out on Steelers Depot. Dave and I can recap that a little bit later in the show. And yeah, pro days, I think the first one is March 10th. So are you getting your, your eyes ready to uh, try to spot some Steelers? Yeah, look, this is a fun type of year, and, I, and I'm looking at uh, at a list that Alex Katzen put together that I'll, I'll put on the site later on today. Uh, looks like, uh, well, I mean, 3-7 Indiana, which would be tomorrow, mm. I think kind of uh, kicks things off there, and then you get into, uh, well, I think we uh, you get into the 14th. Uh, it's going to be an interesting day because I believe on the 14th is both Clemson and Northwestern are a couple of schools on that day. So uh be interesting to see if the Steelers run up to, to Northwestern up there. Uh, but uh, where, what, 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 what road were you leading me down here to talk about? Uh, just a general spot in Steelers on pro days. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that, Tomlin probably goes to Clemson. Do they send Pat Meyer to Northwestern to watch Skaronski? It'll be just fun to see that division of labor. Well, let's go ahead and, uh, and, and, and address that real quick here. Uh, and, and Peter Skaronski specifically, I don't, you know, I don't think we learn anything new about Peter Skaronski during the combine outside of the fact that, uh, you know, we got an official arm length on him and it's a little bit shorter than even uh, Rashawn Slater's was uh, a couple of years ago. And everybody remembers to talk about Rashawn Slater. Is he, can he be a tackle at the next level? Will he have to kick inside uh, that kind of thing? I mean, we're still having, you know, we're coming out of the combine here. We're still having these same conversations. I think Daniel Jeremiah my kind of takeaway from what Daniel Jeremiah had to say was he, he thinks that he might have to kick inside, but within that, he thinks teams are obviously kind of split on him. And I guess the, I mean, the, we, we won't know the, the, uh, the answer to this question until, you know, several more weeks from now, but, uh, well, all it takes is one team to believe in him being a left tackle and he's probably going to go within the first 16 picks, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Sorry to interrupt. The news is already coming in. <laughs> the day the combine ends, Dave, news starts coming in crazy. According to Mike Garofalo and other sources, uh, Adam Schefter included, uh, Derek Carr going to the uh, Saints. Derek Carr going to the Saints here. So a lot of talk about Carr to the Jets, but he's going to go to New Orleans. And so that's a, a big, massive move in the quarterback sweepstakes right now is Carr going to New Orleans. Yeah, I guess the other domino we have to wait to fall is what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, right? Right. We'll have to see there. It, it maybe sounds like he's going to stay in Green Bay, but no official announcement. And uh, Garofalo kind of threw me off because he wrote David Carr by mistake. And so he pulled uh, uh, the, the old uh, the old name there. But anyway, to get, jump back into the offensive lineman and the, and the combine. Yeah, Skronsky seems like somebody who NFL teams are going to view more as a guard than a tackle. He spoke at the combine over the weekend and said that, hey, I feel like I'm a tackle. I'm open to playing inside. I'll play wherever teams want me to play, but I just want to let them know that I feel like I can be an NFL tackle because he was one of the best tackles in college football over the past couple of seasons. But 33 is typically the benchmark for an offensive tackle. Skronsky, 32 and a quarter, just given the overall frame. He's a guy that's more likely than not to kick inside. 
Now, the, I guess the question becomes, does, does it matter when it comes to those, uh, you know, a team in the first 16 selections? Uh, do you like Peter Skronsky enough to say, you know, we don't care where he lands? Now, even though he was, you know, really prime, I don't think he even played any guard at Northwestern, period. Uh, uh, I mean, is he the kind of guy that we like him, period? And, uh, you know, and I'm talking about a team within the first, you know, 16 uh, selections there saying we like him, period. Uh, we don't care if it ends up. In other words, it, 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 you know, if you had him slam dunk as well, he's probably going to have to play guard. Do you still take him? Never having seen him do that. If you're a team in the first 16. Yes, yeah, part of the calculation. Then there's the conversation about the value of taking a guard that, that highly. early. Right. I mean, generally, you know, and it's not no one's beholden to anything. And it can just, as you said, take one team to either view him as a left tackle or want to take a guard. You know, Quentin Nelson was, was a high pick. Jonathan Cooper was a high pick decade plus ago. But uh, if, if he is going to be a more of a guard, it's more likely he's going to fall than if teams viewed him as a tackle. If you're the Steelers and you're sitting there at 17 and he falls to you, do you run the card up? Period. I don't know if I'm ready to say that on him right now. It's certainly going to be part of that conversation and that larger discussion of the board and free agency and all those types of things. But obviously a really good college player, his athleticism, ability to redirect, uh, the angles he gets in the run game on his down blocks, and he has good size and power. So, you know, certainly somebody that's going to be staring you in the face. I think, and I've tried to talk myself into this on several, several, you know, different angles in here. And I, I keep going back to, man, I just think in my heart of hearts, I think there's probably going to be a team within those first 16 picks that just really just thinks, thinks of him as a tackle and is going to take him as a tackle. And Do you think not, he goes before Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson? No, I don't. Okay. If that happens with all the quarterbacks that are going to go, just the odds say maybe he does make it to 17. Right. Well, that's that's part of this thing going back and forth uh, with the, with, you know, you know, trying to talk this out through my head here. Uh, w- one of my main takeaways from, 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 you know, the pre-draft process up until now is I, I think I do believe strongly that uh, Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones will be off the board by the time the Steelers pick. And I, and I, I think you probably agree with that right now as well, too. I do. And then the question becomes, is Skaronsky the third, third tackle off the board? Or even if he's far, you know, I don't care how they come off the board, but will 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 he be one of those three that are dead definitely off the board come to come time to Steelers pick at 17 overall? I wouldn't be as confident in saying Skaronsky's going to be gone as I would with Johnson and likely Broderick Jones and Christian Gonzalez, the corner from Oregon, all those guys I can almost rubber stamp they won't be there. Skaronsky, we'll see. All right, what scares you the most about him? Just just the uh, the arm length and the position uncertainty. Yeah, I guess a little bit of that overall. I don't think his his tape really doesn't have major flaws on it. Again, he was such a stud, such a consistent left tackle for the Wildcats. He was so, damn good. I went back and watched some more tape on him, and he's damn good. The thing is, you don't know 
you know, and, and I guess the new term now is instead of playing inside of a phone booth is playing inside of an elevator now because, because <laughs> phone booths are really no more, uh, here, but, uh, you know, you know, how, how do you evaluate a guy, you know, for a position switch like that, never having seen him play to play the position, you know, I mean, sure. ob- obviously you have measurables and you see the way that he moves, but he, you've never actually seen him do it on the field in a game. Yeah. And that's your first round pick. That's your guy of the class to have that projection creates that extra layer of uncertainty in a draft world that is always, you know, containing some level of uncertainty. All right. Let me circle this all the way back to Clemson Northwestern being on the same day. Uh, if the Steelers thought they might have a chance at Skaronsky and they were serious about maybe making him the pick, then wouldn't either Tomlin or Omar Khan be at the Northwestern Pro Day? History says yes. Again, we'll we'll see how strong the Blues clues hold, but every single Pittsburgh Steelers first-round pick since, uh, I think, Marquise Pouncey, Pittsburgh has had their head coach and or GM at that Pro Day. Ziggy Hood was, we believe at least, the last exception to that back in, what was that, 09. So history says yes. All right, so... You know, that will be, a, you know, we'll get that date past the calendar here pretty quick, right? I mean, if Connor, if Connor Tomlin shows up at the Northwestern Pro Day, uh, we should find out about it, A. And number two, that would mean a lot, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. It would be on a radar. Um, now, what if what if one goes to Clemson and one goes to Northwestern? Then, I, then I, I still at all. It still holds water. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, it would. Uh, it's obvious interest there. And obviously, there's a couple other Northwestern guys to look at. But Skronsky's going to be the, the big name to watch. Right. Because uh, it and out of Warley. Right. Uh, there. And they uh, seem like they got another kid up there, too. Right. Those are the top two, though. Right. But uh and and it would be quite the story too if both of them just bypass Clemson, <laughs> right? Because they always go to Clemson. I think they're going to be a Clemson though. Right, right, all right. Uh, so th- I guess what I'm getting at here is if 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 neither one of them show up at Northwestern, then it would be quite a surprise. Uh, you know, if 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 Skaronsky wound up being the pick, right? Again, that's what the history says. I know it is a new new regime with Khan but I think he's going to be cut from a similar scouting cloth as, as Kevin Colbert. So I still expect that first round pro day to hold true until proven otherwise. All right. Once again, that's a week from tomorrow. Yeah. That'll be a busy time though with free agency technically kicking off the, the next day. That is a busy time for the NFL. All right. Okay. We're uh, went, went right down the you did rabbit hole there with you you didn't see that one coming there but i, I <laughs> thought it was worth uh discussing all right uh speaking of offensive linemen the steelers uh you know we compiled the list and 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 kudos to joe clark and jonathan high just a fantastic uh week of work at the at indianapolis at the combine and you know we got a long list of formal and informal interviews and why is it important when it comes to formal interviews well unless they changed anything uh, it's now four, was it 45 that they can have the, uh, uh, the quote unquote formal interviews with. And I think we built a pretty strong list of, of the formal guys and obviously a lot of cornerbacks in there. Uh, so I think that's one, 
one big takeaway there is, man, they were super interested in the cornerback class. And not that that was surprising, but I think the takeaway here is this team's probably going to come out of the first four rounds with a cornerback. Uh, didn't see so, you know, as far as the tackle list went, not that long, right? Or at least that that we were able to compile. Yeah, we don't have the full 45. They did talk to the top names in Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones. And sometimes you're not quite sure because these are only 15-minute interviews. And if you talk to, I think, Darnell Wright, they didn't speak with him, or at least whenever he had spoken with the media, there was no meeting schedule. But if you speak with him at the Senior Bowl, you need another 15-minute interview at the Combine. You may skip that because you only get 45 and go with somebody like a Paris Johnson, who has not been part of the all-star game circuit. You haven't talked to him yet. So you want to make good use of your resources and that, that those slots that you have. So it, it offers a window into what this team is looking for, but I always kind of take these things with a bit more of a grain of salt. Okay. But I mean, it is something worth compiling and all like that, but sure. uh, uh, what is your, okay. M- moving on from that. You know, what's some overarching takeaways that you have from uh, the Steelers week at the combine from like the interviews or just in just, general, just, just over, just kind of, you know, overarching thoughts overall, uh, you know, the cornerback interest. I mean, not surprising, but significant. Sure. Yeah, there's still things you can glean from the interviews they have. I'll probably have a post later today on the site about just kind of you know, flushing out all the numbers we have in terms of guys that we know for sure had formal 15 minute interviews with Pittsburgh. There is still something to, to, I think, learn there. Um, yeah, it was pretty defense heavy, corner heavy overall, more interior offensive line than offensive tackle. Um, no formal running back interviews. It was all informal, which kind of made me chuckle a little bit. Obviously, not going to, not going to be a need there. So nothing incredibly surprising from the interview process, but, you know, the, the interviews were heavy at the positions where I think depth is is strong. Corner, off-ball linebacker, interior offensive line. You're seeing uh, them talk to a lot of those guys there. All right. All right. So shall we go by, let's see, where did we leave off the other day there? We had gotten through defensive line and edge and linebacker, and we had previewed kind of the defensive backs there before they got on the field there. Uh, shall we start with the actual on-field results when it comes to a few of those guys? Sure. Cornerback, I think, was as advertised, a really strong, deep, and freaky athletic-type groups. Uh, and it's not just the big three of Gonzalez and Witherspoon, who did not work out due to a hamstring injury, and Joey Porter, who I thought had a good workout overall. It may not be the eye-popping numbers that a Christian Gonzalez had, but I thought Porter's numbers were were perfectly fine but beyond that it's it's cam smith from south carolina you're talking about deontay banks from maryland a potential maybe sleeper in that conversation you know 32 type pick for for him julius brents we've talked about since the senior bowl it's a really impressive group overall dave yeah uh deontay banks out of maryland you look at his measurables overall six foot and one eighth 197 31 and 388 inch arms uh, four, three, five, forty, and boy, he uh, he probably hit his head on the on the roof of uh, Lucas Oil Stadium a couple of times. Uh, forty-two inch vertical, eleven uh, eleven foot, four inch uh, broad jump. I don't think he did the the. You know, that's another thing. You know, what's uh, one of my one of my takeaways or one of my wonderings is 
man, what's going to happen with the 20 yard shuttle and the three cone at the uh, combine, you know, two, three, four years from now, maybe even early as next year. You, you look at the, you, and what's going to happen to some of these on the field drills. You see a couple of guys, a couple of these offensive linemen get dinged up and all like that. And I, I know it's every couple of years you see one of these guys go down with a serious injury. Uh, you know, at, at, at the combine, is the NFL PA and are the agents going to be like, <laughs> you know, is a good portion? Are they just going to go and get their their physicals done and and maybe run to forty and call it a day? You know, the, my hope is that isn't going to happen. I, I but I got to tell you, man. I mean, I, there's there's two two of these events that I really like to see the outcome on, and those are those are the twenty yard shuttle in the three cone time. And it just seems like more and more of these kids are putting these, putting these off until their pro day. And I, I wonder if that's going to be more of a, a trend moving forward here. I think it already has been, and it probably will continue. And heck, even, even the physical isn't safe for these guys. You have mm-hmm. the Florida tackle who, whatever the story is there was injured basically in the, in the physical part of the uh, evaluation and couldn't work out. So that was a, a pretty wild story. Uh, back to the defensive backs. When you look at a, a, a guy like banks and everybody knows Mike Tomlin has a, has a link there to Maryland, right? With Dino going there and obviously being uh, being close with the head coach there for several years and all like that. Uh, Deontay Banks is a guy that I think has, you know, easily put himself into the top fifty mix uh, of of overall players and and who knows for that matter might be might be a first round guy by by the time the dust settles here. Yeah, I was watching some tape on Banks last night. I'll have a full pre-draft profile on him in the next couple of days. And he's got good size. He's got speed to run vertically. It matches, you know, what he ran, which was a, an excellent 4-3-5. Um, he's able to, to play the, the deep ball. He's a willing tackler. Um, he doesn't have tremendous length, but I think he uses his overall frame well. He's a guy that played, you know, both outside cornerback spots, field and boundary. So moved around a little bit, um, didn't have high end production, didn't have the interception numbers, but just the overall profile is of that man coverage type of corner. And obviously his workouts were fantastic. So throw him into that, you know, back end of the first round conversation. And Joey Porter Jr. as advertised, right? Maybe not as yeah. long as arms is, is what some people thought he might show up with, but certainly long enough. I don't, I, I don't, I didn't come out a weekend thinking Joey Porter Jr. is going to have problems feeding himself. No, 34 is historically good. I think <laughs> Brent's tied him. Some people have just said, you know, could he be 35? Something really just, you know, freaky, freaky and uh, didn't quite hit that. But again, a really good workout. 44640 to me is an excellent time for his frame. You know, the vertical wasn't great, but it was fine. There's there's nothing about him that made me say, oh, I feel differently about Joey Porter Jr. in, in a negative way. Um, coming out of this weekend, as I thought, coming into this weekend. I guess the only question at this point is, is does he survive the first 16 picks? And if he, if he, if that winds up happening, then odds are good he wouldn't make it past 17. Right. And just to highlight and do a quick teaser of my mock draft, I had Joey Porter Jr. at 17, just for all the obvious reasons. I think there is a chance he could fall knowing that you have four quarterbacks that'll be gone. You're going to have at least two offensive tackles gone, at least two corners ahead of him in Witherspoon and Gonzalez, you know, gone, put in Anderson, Carter, whoever else ends up going. 
just the math says somebody's got to fall a little bit and maybe Porter is that guy. Okay. But uh, yeah, just what what are some other maybe less known names that you, you know, caught your attention overall? I thought, um, again, Darius Rush has been one of my guys for a while. I thought it was a good workout for him showing that, you know, great straight line speed running a four three six overall. Uh, Owen Sky Clark Phillips, I thought was fluid and, and caught the ball well. He's not, you know, really plus ball skills. Anything else stick out to you, Dave? Well, DJ Turner comes out of, uh, I didn't know a, a, a ton about DJ Turner out of Michigan uh, going into the weekend, but uh, 4.26, uh, he, you know, he didn't run a second time and I wouldn't have either. Heck, <laughs> 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 if I, if I ran a, if I ran a, uh, uh, a six two six. I might not run 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 again there, but uh, and, and and it was good for the guys to 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 turn around a profile on him real quick though. But uh, he seems a little bit allergic to contact, does he not? Um, yeah, I hadn't watched his tape too much, so I don't know. He's going to profile probably more as that slot, that inside corner. So hopefully, he's not too allergic because he's going to be part of run fits and and tackling some of these bigger guys. I think uh, with this class, it's 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 deep overall. Uh, but I, but I do think that once you get past, you know, Gonzalez, uh, Witherspoon, uh, Joey Porter Jr., uh, Deontay Banks, uh, Brent's uh, obviously uh, going to be an outside guy that 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 catches a lot of uh, people's attention here. And then uh, who was he? Who was the South Carolina? Uh, uh, Cam Smith or yeah, Darius Rush? Those, yeah, those two. Uh, both those two. Uh, then, then you're looking more of, of, of really fits after that, the deeper you get into this, but, but overall, as a class goes, this is a very nice class. Where do you come in on Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi state who had a really good testing numbers, but weighed mm-hmm. in at a buck 66 and he was thinking, and I think listed at 180, which was already a bit borderline to be at 166 as an outside corner. What are your thoughts? Uh, I tell you when uh, when when Blake Freeland's uh, uh, the tackle out of BYU when his initial weight went up on the NFL.com site, I wondered if he might have ate Forbes. <laughs> <laughs> and for those that don't know, Freeland was initially listed at three ninety two when he's really three oh two. Yeah, look, uh, I mean one sixty six. That's 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 light, man. That's super light. And uh I, you know, he obviously ran like wind and he better at that weight, you know, four, three, five, and he, he had nice uh, you know, triangle measurables on the vertical and the and, 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 and the broad jump. I would imagine by the time he gets around to running his 20 yard shuttle and his three cone at his at his pro day, those will be strong numbers as well, too. But uh I just, you know, from a durability standpoint and all like that, I don't I don't see how you can't look. I mean, that's It'd be pretty shocking. I'll tell you this. When it comes to things that we've seen tracking over the years, when it comes to Steelers numbers, uh, he won't be a Steeler. Yeah, it's just so. I mean, when was the last time you saw a 166-pound outside corner? I just can't even recall somebody to try to you know work this off of, at least not a you know top 50-type prospect like Forbes is. So that's one of those historical outliers that really raises a red flag that says everything else looks good, but that one number is so you know striking, so stark that it's going to create that concern about where you rank them. And so, for a guy that's going to you know, if he was a tiny slot corner, maybe there's a little bit different conversation to be had. But for an outside guy that has to deal with a 200 
10 pound receiver, you know, it's a 50 pound difference almost we're talking about. And the conversation that's going to create about can that guy handle that? That's going to be an issue. Uh, Brian Branch, you know, obviously worked with the corners there, but I mean, he is, he is what he is. Uh, uh, and that's a slot guy, you know, are, are, are some people going to say, you know, uh, look, we're, we're specifically drafting him to be, you know, a nickel corner. I think that's possible. I think there might be other teams that say, you know, look, we want this guy to kind of be, you know, a, a, a free safety type there. Uh, there's, I, there's going to be a lot of talk about him, whether or not he's first round material between now and the draft. Uh, I think when it comes to the Steelers specifically, I would be surprised if he would be the pick at 17. Yeah, that's not where I'm leaning right now. I don't want to totally discount it. He's kind of got a, a Minka makeup where he's not, he didn't, you know, test off the charts. Minka was a bit faster in what he ran, but they're both guys that are just really highly instinctual, great football IQ and really versatile type players. And that's how they're going to win, not necessarily just based off of raw tools and traits. And so, you know, he's going to be a first round pick to Pittsburgh. I don't think so, but I want to see how free agency, you know, shakes out who they retain, who they lose. You know, that, that may create some openings. I think of all the guys we talk about on, on this combine list of cornerbacks who could potentially be an early, you know, either 17 or 32 uh, pick for the Steelers. I, I kind of view it as, as a list of two uh, who would be available to him other than, you know, potentially trading up. And I think obviously that, that list of two would be Joey Porter Jr. And Deontay Banks. Those, those are the two that are easiest from a measurable standpoint, from a, uh, connecting the dots standpoint, uh, from a measurable standpoint, you know, all, everything involved. I would say if there's two, once again, if there's two at, you know, early guys, cornerbacks, I think could potentially be the, be, be Steelers at either 17 or 32. Those would be the two I would identify. I'm with you there 100%, Dave. I think those are the two that make the most amount of sense. Porter more 17, Banks more 32, but two guys that will squarely be on this team's radar. Okay, safeties. Boy, yeah, that, uh, that, that Cal safety really, really, uh, Daniel Scott. Uh, mm-hmm. had a great, great uh, combine, uh, and he did everything, too. And I like those guys mm-hmm. that go out there and do everything. That whole that Northwestern running back, Hole, uh, he's another one. He's another one that – and I don't want to jump too far ahead here, but finishing every drill, running all the way to the end zone, those little things, I think, catch catch the attention – of uh, GMs and, 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 and coaches. And, you know, obviously if, 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 you know, front office and coaches had their ways, all these guys would do everything at the combine, <laughs> you know, but the reality is that they don't, but this Daniel Scott, you know, he just went out there and just pretty much killed everything. And uh, I don't think the Steelers are going to go, you know, safety early in this, in this draft. But uh, I, I thought Daniel Scott really did a good job of kind of, you know, putting himself out there and putting him putting himself in, in, in position to be one of the first few safeties off the board in this class with what he did in Indianapolis. And uh, Sidney Brown, I think uh, out of Illinois, uh, uh, is going to be another another one that if a team needs a safety early on in this draft, that's going to really turn a lot of heads as well, too. And the pit kid, Brandon Hill. Uh 
I don't think he winds up as a member of the Steelers, but uh, uh, I, I think he really got a lot of a lot of people's attention. You know, maybe not so so much in the NFL world, but you know, us YouTube scouters or whatever you want to call us on the outside, I, I think he really caught a lot of people's attention this week. That's a great big three to talk about. Those are the names I was going to mention as well, and and I'm with you, Dave. I think. Watching those guys compete to do everything, I understand why some guys don't because it's a taxing couple of days with the medical, the interviews, the early drug tests and all that kind of stuff. So I understand some guys who don't want to run the three cone after just having this you know, crazy long uh, experience, but I, I love the guys that compete and Scott was fantastic in terms of the RES score and the overall workout numbers. Now he's older, he's a six-year guy at Cal. I talked to him at the Senior Bowl about you know why he stayed, could have come out last year and wanted to come back and you know, improve his game, became a team captain. So and there's going to be just a, the age concern there. But I think the tape overall is pretty solid. Yeah, Sidney Brown, like his brother Chase, both had really, you know, freaky workouts overall. A um, couple guys that I was a bit disappointed in, Jair Brown from Penn State, thought he would have better testing. Mm-hmm. A four six five is not going to get it done. And then Christopher Smith from Georgia, I think has really strong tape, but lack size and ran also in the four sixes. I think he's going to be a guy that slips because the uh, the size and the testing just aren't there for him. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it, it, is it uh, unthinkable uh, that the Steelers will draft a safety? You know, more of along the lines of obviously someone that maybe can play in the slot, play play down low in the box predominantly. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think we'll get a, a couple of our. You know, some more answers, some more clues to that when we see what happens here at the early portion of free agency, specifically if this team re-signs either Terrell Edmonds or DeMonte Casey or even both, you know, uh, mm-hmm. if they, obviously if they re-sign both of those guys, uh, I think the likelihood of them drafting a young uh, young safety, especially in the first four picks, goes way, way down. I mean, it's already probably kind of low, the chances of that happening anyway. But I think we'll get more you know, within the next week and a half here, maybe, you know, depending on how, how long some of these guys have to sit out there before they're signed uh, as it relates to the Steelers and, and the safety position specifically in the draft right now, I, I would, I would venture to say, I, I, I don't expect them to draft a safety. You know, if there is a guy, it would be more along the lines that the, the, the branch kid out of Alabama that we just talked about, who has kind of that versatility, uh, that sub package versatility playing the slot. I would think that if there was one guy within the first couple of rounds, it would be him. But outside of that, I, I'm, I'm not expecting them to touch this group until maybe, you know, later on in the draft with some of those picks. Excluding Branch, I really don't know who the first safety off the board is going to be, just from a general NFL draft interest question. I don't know if it's going to be Antonio Johnson from A&M, Jamie Robinson, Florida State. Do you have any idea who that first name might be? Yeah, I mean, uh, once again, you know, I think uh, depending on what you need, that Daniel Scott's going to be all high on a lot of people's boards. Sidney Brown kind of gives you the uh, – Who's the Arizona safety? Uh, 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 Buddha, right? Uh, Buddha Baker. Yep. Doesn't he kind of give you those vibes a little bit? A little bit. I thought that was a good comp that I had that I saw from, I think, Ben Fennel was that Hafunga from San right. Francisco. The hair, maybe the hair is a little bit to do with it, but just kind of that crazy literal well, that hair on fire a, attitude. That guy's a hell of a player, Andy. Hafunga. 
Yeah, yeah. Now Brown, I think his tape wasn't quite as good as as I hoped it would be, but he's a pretty you know fun player to watch that has special teams value and it's going to be a high effort type guy. So he's going to be he'll be a day two guy. All right, uh, we won't spend a lot of time at all on the quarterback position, but they're fun to watch. That was they, a really fun they, workout. Yeah, it really was. That uh, Anthony Richardson put on an ac- uh, athletic show for sure, and I I thought he threw the, I, you know he showcased the arm. Uh, quite a bit in the drills. I thought CJ Stroud uh, from, from, you know, the on the field stuff represented himself. Uh, well, I thought, uh, uh, well, obviously uh, Bryce Young didn't, didn't do anything, but uh, you know, him showing up, he must've drank a lot of water before weighing in uh, came in at two Oh four. So that'll, that'll calm a lot of fears on, on some people. And he didn't measure it in, you know, a little bit, what five, 10 and an eight, I think was his official look, you know, those, those are all guys that, that people thought could potentially, you know, the real question I guess becomes, uh, and it would obviously help the Steelers and push another player down is, is, is Anthony Richardson going to be a guy to go in the first 16 picks now? Yes. A hundred percent. Bet, bet my house and your house on it. Okay. Well, if then that's the case, then, you know, uh, you have at least three quarterbacks and then the, the conversation on Will Levis will obviously can continue as well too. But uh, uh, I think regardless, we expect three quarterbacks to come off the board before the, before the Steelers pick at 17. And I expect Levis to be off the board before 17. So I'm I, now the order in which they go is a whole separate conversation, but I just know four quarterbacks will be gone before Pittsburgh makes their pick at 17. And, and that'll help push some of those players down. Uh, but boy, that Anthony Richardson just, just put on a show for sure. Yeah. I thought Stroud though, his, his placement, I was watching them do the slants, uh, throwing those on one of those early drills and you, know, you throw three and then the next guy goes and Stroud's, placement on those slants was the same place on all three throws his accuracy overall and I thought even on the on the deep ball which has kind of been the knock on him uh I think he underthrew his first pass but as he kind of got into a, a groove of rhythm you saw him really be able to, to throw the football downfield so I thought Stroud was was just as I know Richardson gets the headlines and rightfully so for just an insane workout and he also looked pretty good in drills but I thought Stroud's accuracy and placement was uh really special all right, moving on to the wide receivers. Jordan Addison, come get me, he says to the Steelers. Yeah, he said, come get me in, in a little joking way that certainly got a lot of headlines. The uh, the workout didn't scream, come get me type numbers. It wasn't terrible, but probably not as good, especially when you put in context for the weight coming in 173, lighter than expected, listed 177. Thought maybe he'd be in the 180s, but to run a 449, that 34 inch vertical, 10 2 broad. I don't want to make too much out of, you know, what I would call average numbers across the board. Um, the tape still, you know, rules the day, but it didn't scream. This is my first round receiver, first receiver off the board type of day. I agree. Uh, but uh, he did, you know, for what, you know, whether or not you want to believe it, dealing with some sort of a back strain there and then cut his workout short and, what is the USC Pro Day? Uh, it is later this month. It is end of the month. The twenty first, I think. Okay. So he's got plenty. Should have plenty of time uh, to heal before that, right? So uh, uh, I, I will say this about Addison, though. I, I I think he. I mean, I think he is what he is, though. And the tape, man, I, I tell you this: his workout, the slot. 
uh, specifically going back, obviously, to his time at at, at, at Pitt. Uh, he can run some routes, man. He can yeah. get open and he can he's good after the catch. I just don't know if it screams. Well, I, I it just it doesn't scream 17th overall. A lot, I think, would have to happen for a team like the Steelers to take him at 17 overall. I'm with you there. I, I, oh, I 30, 32 is a different story, I think. Right. Sure. But uh, sure. 17 is just a little strong. Now he's a guy to me when I watched him on tape, that was more quick and bursty than having that great straight line speed. I know that he talked about, he was going to run fast and Kenny Pickett said his speed's going to surprise in my pre jet profile. I wrote, Several weeks ago, I said he was a high four fours guy, and he ran four four nine. So I think I kind of pegged that speed pretty accurately. Um, but to me, at seventeen, to be a slot receiver that's not going to be the focal point of your offense, just not worth the investment. Maybe in some sense, though, the the lackluster numbers pushes him down a bit. Some of these other receivers go ahead of him. Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers, Ned actually may end up at in being on Pittsburgh's radar and on their board at thirty two. I tell you that uh, Jackson Smith in Jigba uh, did a lot to say, hey, I should be the first wide receiver off the board in this draft. Yeah, he didn't run, but the the cone times are great. Just a natural catcher and just a really good feel, a really high IQ type player that uh, I would love to see in Pittsburgh. Again, I think receiver not going to be the option at 17. So probably, you know, out on Smith and Jigba, but love that dude's game. Uh, Mims, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, ran fast. I think several people expected that to happen. Uh, a guy that I, I latched on to early in the process went kind of straight to his tape, uh, uh, because of kind of what he can do. I think I, I went and found right out of shoot. Because this team, the Steelers really suffered yards after the catch last year and guys that could do stuff, you know, potentially out of the slot. Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State, I, you know, not not a first round guy, obviously, but I, I think you get into that third or fourth round potentially. I think he could potentially be a guy that might have this if, if, if indeed the Steelers went wide receiver, you know, day two, I could see him potentially fitting fitting a need there. Uh, Was I he think, more outside, more inside? What's his kind of profile? Uh, I think he lined up all over the place over there. Okay. Uh, let me, I'll pull that up while we talk over here, but he was somebody that just from a yards after the catch standpoint uh, that, that, that really caught my eye. Yeah. Good workout. Um, what do you run? Four, five, three, 36 inch vertical. He's a, he's a bigger guy too at six two right. two oh three. So we're not going to expect you know the small guy type numbers, but but solid for him. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, uh, obviously more now that is a more of a predominant slot guy, or did a lot of his good work out of the slot. Uh, certainly didn't hurt his cause with a jump of forty and a uh, a vertical of forty and a. Uh, uh, broad jump of 11 foot, uh, 11 foot three. I think he's going to be one of the what top five wide receivers off the board. Zay flowers has got himself in position to get drafted high. Uh, that's, uh, that's not a surprise. Um, you get past, you get past several, several of these top guys and then it becomes, I think, uh, where does this guy help us as a fit? Sure. That's always the question. Are you an inside guy an outside guy, you know, 
better versus man, better versus zone. What are we looking for? Um, I thought the interesting, the workout type guys, always a couple of those that have the big triangle numbers and you want to go back and check the tape on Bryce Ford Wheaton from West Virginia running 438 at 221, 41 inch vertical, 10, nine broad, really good agility scores as well. Um, a guy that I'm sure, you know, most people want to go back and check out more. And a guy at the senior bowl, I thought had a good week that again, has those big triangle type numbers overall is uh, Andre Yosevos from Princeton at 6'3", 205, running 4'4", 3, 39-inch vertical, and really good shuttle times as well, a, a 6'8", 5'3", cone. So, um, you know, some people have tried to compare him to Christian Watson. I don't think he's quite that alpha downfield type guy that, that Watson was and uh, is in the NFL right now. But Yosevos, a, a small schooler that, uh, you know, probably going to be maybe, a, I don't know, early day three type guy. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson, 174 snaps out of the slot last year, 494 out wide in 2022. And then 2021, uh, another heavy split, mostly to the outside, 491 on the outside, 118, uh, in the slot there. So he has moved around quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Matches up with what you said there. I still think Jaden Reed from Michigan state will be on this team's radar as maybe a, a later ish type candidate, maybe fourth round. If he slips a little bit, receivers kind of tend to get pushed down because there are so many of them uh, good four, four, five time. He's versatile return ability, tough, smart, good blocker. I think Pittsburgh's going to like Jaden Reed quite a bit. All right. What about Parker Washington uh, out of uh uh, Penn State, I think, uh, more heavily slanted to a slot guy who'd be more of a mid-round type of guy. Yeah, he didn't run, so we didn't get to watch him too much. But, you know, big slot, physical, yards after the catch type monster, broke a ton of tackles in college, kind of has that, I don't know, juju type feel. James Washington, but like interior type version of him in terms of that squatty body, but that juju type toughness with a long speed might not be fantastic. It's not going to have that nine, eight RAS score, but a guy that was super productive, is going to get those tough yards. All right. Another guy that uh, really showed out well, Bryce Ford Wheaton out of West Virginia, really uh, uh, put up some athletic traits there at the combine. Uh, the thing about him and he was a shrine bowl guy. So I was able to jump on some tape uh, during that week there. I haven't watched any of him uh, 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 since then, however, but uh, from my notes on him, he was mostly kind of used as an X uh, wide receiver and the, 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 the two, two traits that really jumped out to me on him was a contested catcher, uh, especially in that game against Pitt, you know, I think almost every ball that he had to catch against Pitt was, was nearly contested catcher and a real physical guy, as far as the blocking goes on the outside. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, less so as a slot guy, but uh, he did play, I think, a tiny bit in the slot. But I think teams that that, that are going to look at Bryce Ford Wheaton are going to look for him for, for kind of what he was at, uh, at West Virginia predominantly. And that was kind of an ex-receiver there. But uh, he certainly did represent himself uh, well at the Combine from an athletic standpoint. Oh, yeah. Some of the best testing that we saw at the entire combine. All right, Dave, let's flip over to the tight ends now. And what a mm. what a class that is. I know it's not the urgent need for Pittsburgh, but and we talk about Darnell Washington. Some talk about him in the past. I don't, you know, needs be damned. Like, can you get the guy to Pittsburgh just because what a what a freaky player he is? Boy, fan of myself here uh, still. <laughs> uh, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, I think, said during his conference call, what do you say? He's had like 10 tight ends that he thought could go 
I forget. I think like top three. I forget. Point is a very deep. I think he says the deepest tight end class in a decade. Boy, that, uh, you know, Darnell Washington, if you're looking for a big body guy that can move some, move some furniture around and can give you something in the middle of the field, passing game and a huge catch radius uh, when it comes to him, what 83 and three quarters inch wingspan on him. Uh, he can run a little bit as well, too. I, I, I think one of the things that one of the biggest takeaways, uh, four point. Oh, eight, 20 yard shuttle for a guy, his size. Mm. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, pe- people will probably look at that 40 yard dash and say 4.64, but I mean, don't forget this guy's six foot six and five eights, 264 pounds. And you know, you, you run that number. That's, that, that's pretty big. And, uh, he has no problems getting into a, a lobster either at 11 inch hands. And I think they, one of the last reps there mm-hmm. uh, on the, uh, on the fades kind of the end zone fades that they did in the, in, in, in when the tight ends were on the field with the quarterbacks there uh, that one handed catch. I mean, that, that, that's kind of what you're buying when it comes to a guy like him. So uh, 17th overall, obviously way too rich, I think for a guy like him, but Man, you get into, I don't know how early he's going to go, but you get into those two 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 picks that the Steelers have. Do I think that they're going to go tight in with either one of those picks? Probably not, but I it would not hurt my feelings, you know, if, if that guy was your second tight end because you could have him on the field quite a bit uh, in either – you know, 11 or 12 personnel or whatever you want to do, and you would damn sure be running to his side. He's going to be a top 40 pick to me. No doubt in my mind about that. Just that rare skill set of athleticism, blocking, size, production, just off the charts. And yeah, that that one-hander that he had, he wanted that ball high. The rep before, he wanted it high. It came in low. And I think he told the quarterback on that last chance, hey, throw it as high as you can. I want to go get it. And he went up there and got it. But yeah, that 408 short shuttle time, only one cornerback had a better short shuttle time than Tarnell Washington's 408, and that was Julius Brents from Kansas State. And so just to kind of put into context how freaky he is, even watching him on the blocking sled, all these guys struggle so much. They pop up. They're trying to really run their feet a million miles an hour. Washington just, just makes it look easy, just effortless. And so that's a guy that I think ends up probably in Cincinnati, which is going to scar me and hate me because, you know, it, it's going to be just someone you got to deal with twice a year for the next five plus years. But um, you know, I know that you have Fryermuth and all that kind of stuff, but Washington to me is just a really unique guy because you just don't see many people with his profile, even in the NFL. Zach Coots out of Old Dominion, going to be a lot of talk about him. I haven't watched any tape on him uh, yet. Want to go uh, specifically look and see what a guy at his size, at six foot seven and three eighths, two fifty five, how he does uh, as a blocker. Yeah, how about at one point in the Penn State tight end room, it was Brendan Strange, who was also at the Combine, Zach Kuntz, and Pat Frymuth. And then Kuntz transferred from Penn State to ODU, and he's the guy that I was trying to find some tape on over the weekend. I haven't really gone into him too much. He got hurt this past year, and so he didn't play that much, but really productive uh, the year before. Something like, I don't know, 70-plus catches for almost a 1,000 yards and a couple of touchdowns. So, yeah, I, I think he had a perfect 10 RES score, a four, four, uh, four, five, five, 40, 40 inch for 10, eight broad, really good shuttle times as well at six, seven, 255 with tremendous length. 
that's going to be one of those guys that you bet on traits, you, you bet on upside, and teams will bet on Zach Coons. I, I, you know, uh, Michael Mayer didn't necessarily kill it, you know, from an athletic standpoint, but I think uh, uh, he, I think he is as described, and that's a guy. Uh, you know, an all around tight end, a guy that you can attach to the line of scrimmage, a guy that you can detach uh, from the line of scrimmage. You can just do everything, uh, with him. So I, you know, I, you know, I don't think he hurt his stock or anything at the combine. No, he cut some weight. He was listed 260. I think he wanted to lose weight to run faster and four seven for him is just fine. Um, and he'll be in that conversation. Dalton Kincaid, who didn't work out with a back injury, he'll be in that conversation. Other interesting guy, Sam Laporta from Iowa, not the biggest guy, but you know, yard after the catch type ability. And I've always kind of been a fan of Payne Durham, watching him at the senior bowl, a big body guy with good hands, gets open, didn't test unbelievably well. But I like his size at 6'5", 253. Well, obviously see what happens here with uh, Zach Gentry over the course of the next couple of weeks. But would it sound like maybe there might be a little bit. We'll see what teams around the league do as far as maybe cutting a tight end or two, something like that. I, you know, Zach, I, I, I don't foresee Zach Gentry stumbling onto a market that we saw a couple of years ago with a couple of these tight ends. I don't know. Maybe I'll be wrong here, but, but uh, uh, if, if the Steelers don't re-sign Zach Gentry, then I think it, 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 it I, I, I think maybe tight end does come into play at some point during the draft, especially if you can get someone that can handle that number two role and, and be a good inline blocker for you. But as we sit here right now, I mean, it, it's nice to dream about a guy like Washington, but, uh, uh, and, and once again, a lot of this would be dependent, I think on Gentry, but I, I don't foresee the Steelers spending a uh, pick on a tight end, you know, in the first four rounds there. Same. I, I do wonder, does that tight end market in free agency get depressed a little bit because of how strong the tight end class in the draft is? And maybe I, I think it will, there. too. That's yeah. a good point. That's a very good point. That's another reason to say, look, we can go out here and uh, we can go out here and just draft our next tight end with one of these six or seven guys here and right. be fine with it. Uh, or we can go out there and you know, do we want to spend three or four million dollars on a guy like Zach Gentry, who's not really a true tight number two, true, you know, tight end one? Right. Teams aren't going to pay a bunch of money in free agency when they know they can go get a guy in the draft on a on a cheap four year type contract. So something to consider there. But yeah, just Washington. I know I know I'm gushing, but just a really fun workout overall. All right, Dave, um, let's just touch on running backs here really quickly, because I know it's not going to be much of an interest for Pittsburgh. Uh, you watched them more than I did. I had to take off before the uh, they ran their 40 and went through their drills. What running backs stuck out to you? Well, I mean, I think B. John, B., uh, B. John Robinson was was the guy that all the buzz was about, you know, and, and, and deservedly so before this thing, uh, before the combine hit, you know. Uh, he didn't do anything to hurt his uh, uh, stock whatsoever. 37 inch uh, vertical. I think if you're a Steelers fan uh, going into this thing and kind of the pre-draft chatter ahead of all this is, man, you want as many of these running backs to go in the first first uh, 31 picks as 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 as, as possibly can. Uh, uh, and I I think. B. John, B. John Robinson will indeed be one of those guys, but I think there are, you know, a couple other guys that you could see in that talk as well, too. Going to be interesting because of his size, five foot nine and one eight. You know, what, what did teams think about Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama? You know, 
I think Zach Charbonneau is another guy that you'll find high on a lot of people's boards. Uh, I haven't really watched him uh, other than know he's kind of high on a lot of people's list there. But, uh, you know, just overall, I'm still in the camp of I wouldn't take a running back that early. But I think you could see a couple of them come off the board in the first 32 picks. Yeah, Robinson should be one of those guys. Will anybody else go is going to be the question there. Trying to see what Steelers type of backs, just from a frame standpoint, might fit. Chris Rodriguez from Kentucky, who didn't go through some of the testing. Um, yeah, the UCLA kid that you mentioned, uh, Roshan Johnson, the other Texas back. Again, we're looking bigger guy, six foot, 215 plus pounds. Again, not expecting Pittsburgh to have interest there, but maybe as a potential undrafted for agent that could be brought in somebody that falls out of the draft. Um, that's kind of where I'm looking right there. And you mentioned Evan, uh, Evan Hall as well. Right. right Dave. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's going to get them a nice, uh, a nice player in, in Evan Hall uh, mid to later, later rounds of this draft. Uh, he's a guy that uh, I would imagine that he could give you something on special teams. He's that kind of guy, I think in that. So, uh, uh, I just, I love seeing these guys that say the heck with it. I'm going to do everything and I'm going to finish out these drills. So I, I, you know, Evan Hall definitely draftable. Uh, I think it's a matter of where, uh, he was a senior bowl guy as well too. So that'll, that, that'll mean a lot to a lot of these guys, uh, you know, a lot of these front offices as well there. Uh, Mohammed Ibrahim, him, uh, out of Minnesota, I think is a guy that, uh, you know, obviously going to be a mid round guy. I don't think he did much of any, he did participate in, 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 in the on the field drills there. But I think as a Steelers fan, uh, running backs, not anything that you have to pay attention to in this draft, unless they got a seventh round guy. And I would hope that that seventh round guy would give you something on special teams. Yeah, in theory, if Benny Snell is not re-signed, he goes somewhere else, there is going to be that hole for the number three running back that'll have to be addressed somehow, some way. But obviously going to be pretty low on this team's list of needs and priorities. All right, Dave, we started off the conversation with O-line. Let's end it with O-line as well, beyond Skaronsky, other impressions. How about um, maybe a little bit of a sleeper here that I know you were tweeting up and made a good, a very good joke about last night. John Gaines II from UCLA. What a nice workout for him. Man, you look at his tape and you look at his character and you look at his position flexibility going back at his time at uh, five, you know, technically there five years, I think, at UCLA. Uh, the more the, the deeper that I got into him and I and I only watched like a couple of, you know, obviously the drills at the shrine. Uh, uh, the all 22 from the shrine game and all like that. We, we obviously had quite a few people. I think he was in almost every other daily reports by, uh, you know, Joe C or in a couple of these guys that were out there. Uh, and, and uh, I think even maybe even Dr. Mel maybe wrote up something about him. I can't remember for sure, but, uh, uh, the biggest takeaway that I had last night when I, I dove deeper into his tape was. This guy started off as an NFL PA bowl guy uh, as his all-star game. And then he got called. Uh, they needed a, a fill-in at the uh, Shrine Bowl. And then he he did that. And I kept wondering, man, well, how did this guy not make it to the scene, you know, get a senior bowl? And, uh, and I didn't research. Maybe I, I can't imagine him turning down a senior bowl invite. But, you know, you run across these guys every year that – 
man, how did he not go to the senior bowl and all like that? And that was one of my biggest takeaways there. And then I went back and watched a section of his combine interview and he was asked specifically what, you know, what do you hope to show people on the, on the field portion at the combine? He says, I'm going to show them, you know, my athleticism, uh, and all like that. And he did, Mm -hmm. uh, he really, really knocked it out of the park. And, you know, because of that, that, that was one of the things I said, okay, what, what, what do I, what, what am I missing when it comes to this guy? And he primarily played right guard at UC or that's all that he played last year at UCLA was right guard. But then you get in back into his, uh, 2021 and 2020 tape, uh, he played up and down the offensive line there. He played uh, left guard. He played center. Some very nice snaps that I found on set at center uh, at UCLA. Uh, obviously played uh, left guard. I mean, uh, right guard and a, and a handful of snaps at right tackle. I didn't specifically uh, uh, seek out any of those snaps. And I think he's even listed as playing one snap at left tackle. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know what that was all about. I haven't researched that down there. Uh character just seems to be off the chart, uh, with him. Uh, then you go back and you look at some of the cutups from, uh, the blocking cutups from the, from the shrine bowl, uh, overall, this is a guy that, and I, I, you know, one of the takeaways I think from, uh, this, from this group overall of offensive linemen is it's not an overly strong, uh, deep class of of guards when you talk about specific guards uh as a position and i think he is a guy that's going that that is that is probably going to be squarely in the sights of a top five guard true guard list when it comes to this so in short uh he's going to be off the board i i firmly believe by the end of the fourth round yeah i was going to ask where where you think he might go. I know it, we're just kind of getting eyes on him. And I looked at mock draftable or mock draft database last night and it said undrafted for Asian, but those things can, can change pretty no well. Way. Combine. No yeah, way. No so. way. Uh, the Steelers miss out on a guy like him in, in, in the later rounds. I, I don't think he gets there. I, I mean, I, I really think once you get into his tape, Alex, uh, unless I'm missing something here uh, with him. Uh, I mean, you could, you could, you could, into the second round type of guy mm. uh, here. I mean, I, okay. I, I think it, and, and, and by the middle of the third round uh, specifically, you know, maybe, maybe I'm missing something here, but uh, uh, I really think that he is a guy that somehow got overlooked here. And uh, by the end of round four, he's got to be off the board to some team. And because I've now uh, gone deeper into his tape and looked in his character and all like that, I firmly expect him to be drafted by the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> yes, because as the NFL draft gods state, all good players that we like must go to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. That is that is law. One number on John Gaines, and I think we talk about some of the predictive power these numbers have and why some of the testing actually matters, even though it's always about trusting and watching the tape. But um, Josh Norris has talked about, you know, the the short shuttle times and the really strong correlation between successful offensive linemen who run sub four, four, seven in that short 20 yard shuttle. And John Gaines was the only player at the combine for the offensive lineman who was under that four, four, seven mark at four, four, five. And so the history says that players that do that have 
good and successful NFL career. So that's, I know it's just one number. We're not going to be beholden to one number, but based on the tape, based on the overall workout, based on that short shuttle number, John Gaines is certainly a name to watch. Uh, I agree. Now, once again, he pri- he primarily played right guard, and obviously the Steelers have a right guard of uh, you know in James Daniels right now, uh, as far as that goes. But uh, uh, you know, if I'm the Steelers and I'm I'm not comfortable with what I have uh, at, at 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 the guard position there, uh, I think this is a guy that maybe you look at in 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 round three, round four, and I would I would see what he could do at left guard. You know, uh, yeah, it feels like he's going to be a versatile guy. He was in college, so I think moving him around is going to be just fine. And I think in a pinch, he's a guy that could play center for you. Uh, those kind of things there. And, you know, obviously you don't want to get in the habit of taking guys away from their natural uh, position there. But I think there's probably and I didn't look specifically at, at, at left guard snaps, although though there are some reps kind of from that left guard uh, position at the shrine ball in the in the drills there. I saw enough where I thought, man, this and look, if you're drafting him, I, I think he has potential to be a plug and play guy wherever he goes. And that's either left guard or 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 or, or right guard. And and once again, with the with the versatility at man, if, if my starting center went down, I could probably mm-hmm. throw him in there and get out of the game with him. Yeah, every team needs that hyper versatile backup offensive lineman. So if somebody goes down somewhere, you're not playing musical chairs to try to replace him. I know that. Taylor Lewan choked on on air yesterday that, you know, the, the old adage in O-line rooms is the more you can do, the less you get paid. And I get that idea if you want, you know, be in one place where you can start and hone your craft. But, you know, versatile guys, sometimes that's how they get their foot in the league, how they stick in the league. I think about Chris Hubbard that came in, uh, undrafted type guy, really versatile, ended up becoming uh, a starting tackle in Cleveland for a time because he bided his time, you know, and, and got his snaps in and then got paid for it. So, um, you need guys that can wear multiple hats to be backups. You can't have, you can't be a backup that plays just one spot. You don't have value there. And so for gains, that's going to be his calling card. Uh, city, city. So out of uh, say that, uh, say that <laughs> five times real, real fast, a guy that I didn't know a lot about, uh, prior to the combine, uh, I went and watched a little bit about him. He was an NFL PA guy, uh, as, uh, did he end up at the shrine too? Was he another one who went to, I don't, I can't remember if he went to the shrine too, but uh, Eastern Michigan, a Mac guy. Uh, I think there's enough there that uh, he, you know, you talk about kind of a weak, in my opinion, kind of a weak, a weaker guard class overall. I think he's another mid round guy uh, that's going to, uh, that, that certainly helped himself uh, this past week as well too. Uh One of the first guys when all these, uh, when, when this group of uh, Steeders Depot guys, uh, and gals got out here to Vegas. We were sitting at the, uh, at the, uh, dinner table. I said, uh, man, watch that Ricky Stromberg out of Arkansas, mm. uh, the center there. Uh, if you know, if, and I don't know so much about his position versatility overall, but, uh, if you're looking for a center in this class, I think Stromberg, uh, is somebody that you got to keep in mind there. A guy that probably we haven't talked a lot about overall, that's probably going to go high Luke Weipler out of Ohio state. A uh, little bit shorter of a center, six foot two and five eights. I don't guess that's too terribly uh, short uh, overall. I think uh, uh, he he's a guy that 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 you know people are going to be talking about more. And John Michael Schmitz is somebody that I think you came out as shoot uh, firing about there. Uh, is you know. Uh, 
the Steelers are going to like him. I, I think it's a matter of, of, you know, center is one of those positions that, man, how high do you take a center in, in, in today's draft? I mean, every team obviously needs one there. Could he potentially be in the talk at 17 overall? I think that's pushing it a bit. I think 32 feels like the sweet spot for him. And he's a guy that I know played primarily center at Minnesota, if not exclusively, but I think has the size and frame and skill set to, to kick out the guard. And he talked about, I think he might've played a little bit of guard, like in high school. I know that's going way back, but he, he was open to playing wherever he needs to play. So I think 32 for John Michael Schmitz is a, is a perfect place. All right. Uh, would you pull the trigger there potentially? I would. Yeah, I, I certainly would. And whatever it's worth, I believe Jerry Dulac this morning or last night or recently said, keep an eye on John Michael Schmitz. Now, his testing isn't going to blow anybody away, but the tenacity he has, the, you know, you watch him on tape, wrestler. The, size, the wrestler background, um, that's what's going to endear himself to Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, let's see here. Who do I have noted here? Oh, uh, uh, the. Where is he here? Uh, the me, guy that we originally ahead. thought had the short arms, Anton oh, Harrison. Anton Harrison, yeah. Uh, for those that don't know, the man they had problems with some typos there on NFL.com. Uh, his arm length, I think, ended up getting corrected to thirty-four and inches and four, thirty-four and one-eighth inches, which is right where it better be uh, there. Uh, you want to talk about a a a you know third, fourth round tackle that would fit you know, what, what I think the Steelers could stand to use in this draft. If they didn't get one in the first round here, uh, I think it's him. Now he is a guy that predominantly played left tackle at, uh, at, 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 uh, at Oklahoma. But I think even the first game last year for Oklahoma, he, he played at, at, at right tackle. So he's got, you know, some, uh, the ability, the ability to flip back and forth there. But I think he is a guy, once you get past that, that, uh, initial group of top three or four guys there, I think he's the, in that group of the next guys there, uh, along with Blake, Freeland out of BYU as well, too. Uh, I, I believe he and he, boy, he tested off the charts here for a guy mm -hmm. his size, six foot seven and seven eights uh, overall there. So I think those when you talk about tackles outside of the obvious ones uh, of the Paris Johnson and the Broderick Jones and the Peter Skronskis, I think that's kind of the next group there uh, that if the Steelers didn't get one, you know, early there that could be in the mix. I think so, too. With Freeland, I was going to mention him, obviously a tremendous, you know, A-plus type workout. I just don't know if the tape matches up. I think he's a little stiff. I think he's obviously tall. He's got to fight his height. Watching him at the senior bowl, are, are the feet good enough, you know, out of his stance to to be able to seal the edge? I thought he had difficulty moving. I know that that sounds a little funny based on the remarkable testing that he had, but whenever it's an actual football situation, defending and sealing the edge, can he bend and, and, and be able to sink into his stance? I'm I'm going to be lower on Blake Freeland than I think most people will be. Uh, Darnell Wright, a guy that we've talked about already quite a bit. I don't think he hurt his stock at all. I, you know, I think if anything, in some of those drills, he really helped himself. It looked like yeah. he really looked like he really really moved well. Now, and he carries that weight. He like he does not look like he's right. three thirty three. He carries that weight very solid solidly. Right. And I, I think he's been another guy. People have been kind of going back. Uh, I mean, I would trust him more as a tackle, uh, you know, than, than 
than a lot of people maybe think Skronsky on the other side. You know, uh, I think the big question about Darnell Wright is, is, is he only a right, uh, you know, is his best spot going to be right tackle in, in, in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, he moved around at Tennessee. He, he's played all over. He's played guard. He's played tackle. I, I think that maybe his best fit could be at right tackle. But I, I thought he had a good workout yesterday that made me feel better about him being a tackle as opposed to trying to kick inside to guard. Um, I thought McClendon Curtis from UT Chattanooga, who had a really good senior bowl week, um, continues to impress. Just that big, powerful lower half. I thought Matthew Bergeron showed good movement skills, good fluidity. And a guy I want to watch more of that I really didn't know anything about was Earl Bostick from Kansas that had a good workout. And I thought just was a pretty fluid and easy type mover. And let's see here. Too bad about Andrew Voorhees because he would have been the quintessential, I don't know, third, fourth round left guard pick for the Steelers, would he not? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, the versatility is there. Um, would have been more of a guard than a tackle in terms of projection, but I think he's a pretty decent athlete that's a really nasty and physical run blocker that's got a good football IQ, and, you know, obviously the ACL is going to impact his draft stock. I don't know how much the small school uh, – uh, tag is going to hurt a guy like Cody Mock, but man, I, I I would be tempted to run that card up in the third round on him. Yeah, would you, where, where would you start to play him if you left guard? Him? Left guard. Okay, that sounds in, about end right. of story. Left guard. Period. Okay. Yeah, I just love the compete though from him. I mean, he's done everything asked of him, and to be that small school guy making the jump, learning new positions is, is really impressive. Yeah. Uh, where do you come in on Dewan, Dewan Jones? I know I, I struggle with some of these big tackles sometimes because I worry about all these speed rushers. And I know he's so big and long, he can seal the edge and, and, and that's going to be an asset with him. I just worry about some of the counters and dealing with stunts and overall movement skills. So, I'm, you know, I know he, he's going to be one of the top tackles in this draft and he's a really you know rare build, but. I just worry about the overall athletic profile consistently on third and 10. And, and can you really be able to, to seal the edge? I do have some concern there about his feet. Uh, the thing with him is he's got the, uh, he's, he's a monster mountain of a man. Uh, you're probably not going to beat him around the edge and all like that uh, overall and speed to power, unless you got the hands, you got, got a guy that could really get the hands into the chest with him. Uh, but I, I, I think where the concerns are, or will, will be, will, will be against the better edge rushers that have a plan that can set him up to the outside and make him change, change direction. Yeah. Can he redirect? Can he be able to shift his weight and, and transfer on stunts on counters? That's going to be the, uh, the definite concern with him, but he'll be, you know, in that, that second tier of tackles that you're talking about with right. Darnell Wright with Anton Harrison. Right. All right. Who else on uh, the, the, the offensive line list here? Uh, Jalen Duncan moved well, which was expected. I think he's technically has a lot to work on probably a year away from really contributing, but one of those athletes is going to be a, you know, later day two type guy that you're going to try to, to build up. All right. Uh, somebody, as we start transitioning toward your, your, your mock draft here, uh, Tyler Steen, you have in there. I have not watched anything on Tyler Steen. So educate me on Tyler Steen out of Alabama. 
Yeah, he's got good size. Maybe lacks that elite length. It's going to kick him inside. I think he had a really good senior bowl week. That's where I kind of first saw him in some of those 1v1 pass rush drills. The size that he has, the anchor, the power. Um, played left tackle at, at the Alabama this past year. So SEC battle tested. Played at Vanderbilt prior to, to that and transferred this past year to the, to, to the uh, Crimson Tide. So a guy that I think will be a really good a good guard because you can't go through him. He's got enough size to, I think, uh, you know, run block well inside. So that's a guy that I think will be in my, as you'll see in my mock draft, probably a, you know, late day two, early day three type of candidate. Now, would you slot him as left guard? Yeah, I would play him inside. How much did, uh, do you know how much he played there? He was a left tackle all last year at Alabama, and I think probably was pretty much his role at Vanderbilt as well, but he was playing inside at the Senior Bowl, so he was kind of getting some work there in this pre-jab process. All right, you have him at uh, at, at, at what round? Uh, 80, third round, which might feel a touch high, but you know, I think if he's worth it, he's worth it. Looking at his snaps from last year, a, uh, most of it, as you you stated, uh, well, pretty much all of it was at left tackle. No, that was in 2021. I'm looking at here. Uh, Should have been the same in 22. Yeah, 2022. Yeah, pretty much all. Uh, yeah, all of it at uh, left tackle there. So he would be a a, a guard con- convert, right? Yeah, he'd be a guy that moves inside, but I think he's already worked on that some. Like I said, senior bowl, they kicked him inside. I thought he had some really good reps there for being pretty new to the position with some time. And he would have that versatility too. Somebody went down, I mean, he could play. So, you know, you get him coached up at guard. He's got that tackle background. You know, you're going to have a a versatile backup. And for clarity purposes, you would have had Voorhees in that spot had he not been injured, right? Yeah, I had the whole thing written up and then he goes down and I said, well, probably want to change that in the mock and uh, probably a good call given that uh, this injury seems to be pretty serious for Voorhees. All right, let's go ahead and uh, transition into your mock draft. All right, mentioned it a bit earlier, Dave. Or did you uh, have anything else to talk about uh, as as far as combine goes? I think we tore it up pretty good there. Yeah, I think so. So my mock draft, 17th overall, first round pick, Joey Porter Jr. as chalk as chalk can get, but don't overthink it. I probably overthought the Kenny Pickett pick last year by not choosing him. I won't do that again for this mock draft anyway. We'll see about the future ones. But Joey Porter Jr., if he falls, easy connections there, a need. Um, I don't expect the top tackles to be there. Don't know what other direction that would be you know, super logical to go. And Porter makes a lot of sense. Uh, the only question is now is, 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 is he there or is he not there? Right. Right. And it's a kind of a coin flip for me, but assuming the top, you know, assuming he's the third corner off the board behind Gonzalez, behind Witherspoon, you have the top tackles. It'll be gone Four quarterbacks, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, whoever else ends up going, you know, just the math starts adding up. that says, you know, if he if he's, you know, in that 15th player off the board, maybe he'll be the 17th player off the board. All right. Uh, you can see this one coming. Jack Campbell out of Iowa, uh, linebacker in the second round, 32nd overall. Yeah, before the combine, I was kind of doing some, you know, mock-ups of a, of a mock draft and just for myself and just kind of messing around with the numbers. And I had Campbell in the third round and he had that great workout. And I said, probably not going to be a third round guy anymore. And so for Pittsburgh to, you know, not go with a free agency route of that veteran that's kind of over the hill and on that back end of his career, go with the draft pick that's younger. I like his size. It's unique. It's not the 6'1", 225-pound guy that can run but can't really play the position. So I think, you know, Campbell checks every single box Pittsburgh's going to look for. 
All right. Uh, yeah, 49th overall, uh, a measurable guy, a guy, you know, we talked about, there's not many of those guys that the Steelers, you know, look for up front that, that, you know, kind of be slam dunk, you know, top two or three round type guys, uh, Javon Dexter out of Florida you have there. Yeah. We talked about him on Friday show uh, and, uh, you know, kind of has that two it build doesn't have the length that two it has, but a good athlete, uh, th- there's tools and traits versatility. I think he's a bit raw. He plays a little bit too tall. He's got to fight that height, fight that lack of length, but the connections to, uh, Carl Dunbar, his son working at Florida, that's going to know him pretty well. A guy that has some upside. And again, defensive line to me is the Steelers number one need right now. All right, and, uh, 80th overall in the third round, you have Tyler Steen. Had I had I tweeted my stuff about John Gaines earlier, could you foresee maybe a guy like John Gaines being in that spot? Yeah, I could definitely see that. One other thing on Steen, and I was listening to Daniel Jeremiah talk about it yesterday, a big military family, I think his you know, great-grandfather uh, fought in World War II or something to that effect. His dad uh, was in the Marines or, or some branch of the military, so... They're going to like that discipline background overall. And he's a guy that I think could challenge Kevin Dotson for that week one job. But even if he doesn't win it, then he'll be a backup. And Dotson's a free agent after 23. And Steen does bring that tackle versatility as well. All right. Uh, round four. Uh, you actually went with a, a strong safety type here. Yeah, I don't know if Edmonds and Casey will be back. Obviously, trying to project these things out before free agency, you know, creates a, a pretty good layer of uncertainty. Hickman's a guy that has good size. I like his demeanor, uh, demeanor downhill, you know, facing the fan, going to fill the alley. I think he's pretty raw, though, you know, but he's 21, so he hasn't played a ton of football. Ohio State moved him around quite a bit, kind of played more of a star hybrid linebacker. Two years ago, had a bunch of tackles, kind of played a bit more traditional safety this past year. I think he's got to work on his technique, coming to balance, wrapping up and finishing. Not a high impact guy in coverage either, but kind of more of that athletic box safety that, that I think has the tools and the the, the hair on fire, going to hit you mentality that you can work with. All right. After uh, the 119th overall selection of Ronnie Hickman, what did you do to kill time between, uh, did you try to trade up or... or- <laughs> Because <laughs> you had a long wait until 236th overall uh, in the seventh round there. It's going to be that, uh, what, cookie monster meme of him tapping his fingers on the table there, waiting for that that next pick. And uh, so after that long wait there at 236, the first of two seventh round picks, I went with a receiver, Jaden Hasselwood from Arkansas, trying to find what receiver might fit best. There's all different types and styles. And he's a guy that ran in the four sixes, but watched his tape a bit last night, kind of has some quickness and change of direction ability. Wasn't super pr- uh, productive. One year at Arkansas transferred from Oklahoma, but um, that go up and get it type of guy with good size, good vertical, and um, kind of be that, you know, backup Z type receiver. Okay. I, I don't know anything about him. Uh, did he, where, where did he, he did he pri- primarily, where did he pr- primarily line up at? He was an outside type guy, you know, ZX. I mean, they kind of, you know, flip things depending on where the strength of the formation was at. But, you know, he's going to be probably a Z type receiver. But I think a guy that was a little bit in the receiver run game and a little bit of short area quickness that I kind of thought was intriguing for a guy of his size at 6'2", 215. All right, a guy I do know a little bit about, thanks to uh, Senior Bowl and all, uh, Lonnie Phelps, uh, 248th overall, uh, the Steers' last pick in your mock draft in Edge. Uh, Tell the people what they're getting there. 
Yeah, that was my one holdover from my kind of, you know, just funny Senior Bowl mock draft I did right after the Senior Bowl last month. And so Phelps, that late uh, round, you know, edge dart throw that I think Pittsburgh will probably do this year. Um, you know, it doesn't have great size, but, it's, you know, he's got some strength, 31 reps on the bar and had good production. Another transfer, there's so many transfers in this kind of post-COVID uh, COVID situation. So went from Miami, Ohio to Kansas, but, um, you know, had 15 and a half sacks the last two years. And and kind of, I think, just round out the depth in terms of the, the backup edge spot for Pittsburgh. All right. Uh, you know, we, 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 we fully expect this team to sign uh, Alex Highsmith to an extension at some point during the offseason. We'll see what they do, maybe as a lower end, uh, you know, uh, or, or a more experienced, maybe backup during free agency, but the word came out this morning. Uh, not surprising that Bud Dupree is expected to be uh, released. We've talked about Chase Winovich maybe as a possibility of all that, but even so, uh, we both have been banging the table for quite a while, regardless of what happens with Highsmith and all. Please draft an edge rusher uh, this year, right? Yeah, I would like to. Now we'll just see exactly how they fill it. And uh, apparently Bud Dupree tweeting, I just found out on Twitter about his uh, impending release. And that'll be a conversation for Pittsburgh. I could see it happening. Would I love it? I wouldn't hate it. I don't think I would love it either. I think schematically Dupree's always been you know, such a great fit in Pittsburgh, but um, we'll see. I think they need, they certainly have to add more than what they have right now. Yeah, Look, I wouldn't mind it if the price is right. And, you know, uh, he would obviously come back in with the with the understanding that he'd be the third guy on the field uh, in those situations. I just if you ask me if I think it will happen, uh, I'll say no. But within that, I wouldn't be obviously shocked if it happened. Uh, I just think that there's going to be other teams out there that that that, you know, I uh, think they can get him and 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 maybe get one more year out. In other words, I think a little bit bigger deal might be in the works for him with with a team other than the Steelers. But I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. I wouldn't hate it overall, assuming he can get himself back healthy again. Because the big big knock on him is he's missed quite a few games, mm-hmm. and uh, plus the the production when he has been on the field hasn't been, you know, all that. Yeah, I don't know how much of a market there will be for him and Pittsburgh will be attractive just based on, you know, knowing the team, knowing the system you know the relationships he had there, how close he was with TJ Watt. Um, he'd have to come in as a backup. That might be kind of uncomfortable. You left as the starter and now you're you know backing up the guy that replaced you in Alex Highsmith. So got to swallow your pride there, but there probably won't be a ton of great starting opportunities for him day one around the league, but 30 years old. Obviously, won't play on special teams. Not that that's a, a must. I don't think it has to be that, but it is a consideration. Um, I could see it. You know, we'll just have to see. the The price tag will certainly impact uh, a lot of that. Uh, the odds of that happening will be impacted by is it a one year deal, two year deal? What's the money? That'll be the the conversation there. What do you know about real quick, uh, Andrea? I I, I out of Princeton. Boy, he Yosevas. Yosevas. Okay. Uh, what do you know about him? Because I I have not watched any Princeton tape. Yeah, he's a guy that I mentioned earlier that had the great workout, the great triangle numbers. Now, he was a really unknown recruit, played in a really run-heavy high school offense from Hawaii, actually. Only had two offers, and that was Princeton and Dartmouth. And so ended up coming out all the way East Coast to go to Princeton. And, um, you know, he came on strong in his career, a long strider. Again, some people comping him to Christian Watson. Probably a touch too strong, but the workout numbers are going to try to to justify that. So um, probably some work to, to be done there in terms of getting separation and being more consistent. 
but uh, I think he's a guy that might be an early day three type. All right. What did you kind of, what, what would be some of your biggest Steelers related takeaways uh, when it comes to uh, the combine? One of mine that I, 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 I can't seem to get away from is, man, I, I really wonder if this team, uh, and I've, I've said this for a little while. I think this team likes their tackles better than everybody else likes their tackles. Yeah, I think so. In terms of my big overall takeaways, I mean, the, the depth of the corner class, um, defense alignment, just trying to find those body types that fit. It's always going to be scarce. It's always going to be a bit of a battle. Uh, interior offensive line, I think, has some options there for Pittsburgh. Would be a bit more attractive than the tackle class once you get outside of the top tackles in this year's draft. But I don't know. I just try to take in as much information as I can and try to learn more about these guys to to help me whenever we kind of get a better lay of the Steelers roster and where they're going pro days and and that kind of stuff uh, that will have more clarity on later this month. Would you be shocked if this team took a center, a, a true center, in the first two or three three selections of theirs? With the intent of playing him as a true center or maybe like a that, John Michael maybe, Schmitz. Maybe, that maybe down the, the road, you know, uh, uh, but you know, with, 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 you know, in other words, a guy that predominantly played center, you can do what you want with him, you know? Yeah. Like a John Michael Schmitz was a center at Minnesota, but I could see him being the pick maybe to, to kick out and play guard. I, I, I don't, I mean, I think Mason Cole will stay at center. I think he should stay at center. You know, is it, could he theoretically move to left guard? He's played that, at that in the past, but he's talked about, I like playing center. I feel most comfortable at center. I'd prefer to keep him there. Um, so I think if they draft somebody, it'll be somebody that has that versatility or somebody that, that is a center that they think has the size and skill set to bump out the guard. Uh, true or false, this team will draft a cornerback with one of their first three selections. True. True. I agree. Uh, I think, I mean, not, not that there was much of a question before the combine on that, but uh, I, I think that's kind of been, it feels like true, it's been. true or false. Will they draft an offensive tackle within their first four selections? Ooh, if you put that at three, I would probably say <laughs> false. Uh, I said four. Yeah. Also, uh, oh, this is tough because there are a couple of guys like uh, I mentioned, uh, Harrison out of out of Oklahoma. Ah, uh, oh, ding, 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 ding. I'll yeah, say I'm push you out here. I'll say false from where I sit right now, but I mean, I I I don't have a lot of confidence in that prediction. Okay, I'll say false too, but I think they should and will go sign a veteran type as a backup behind more in a core four. Okay. They need to. They there's no there's no depth along this O line right now. They gotta they gotta double dip, I think, both in draft and for agency to add some pieces behind at, at the least. They they need depth on that offensive line, uh, period. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing there right now. And they, they can't bank on having the great health they had this year to occur again next year. Right. More uh, right. more more likely to draft a go uh an interior guy or a tackle in the first four rounds interior type guy i i would agree there all right dave any other final thoughts on the combine overall really really good week of work overall um thanks to you for helping put out all the numbers and do we have bench numbers for these guys yet still no bench numbers for the running backs and the offensive linemen so i wonder still... some of those guys hit the airport <laughs> <laughs> yeah i am leaving um we'll get those numbers probably later today but we'll have the uh 
The combine tracker, you can see on Steel's Depot that has all the updated numbers. Not many sites do what we do in terms of having those numbers tracked in a great right. spreadsheet. So it's a really good resource for uh, NFL draft fans. Yeah, we'll be referring to it a lot uh, throughout the process. And uh, you know, we'll... Uh, uh, we'll start the tracker list on the pro day here coming up and we'll pass along uh, pro day numbers uh, as you know, on so- several of these guys as they come in. So just an exciting time of year. Shall we get to some emails? Yep. Let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. All right. Brian Tate writes in. Hi, fellas, because Dr. Mel brought it up. Uh, and, and by the way, she brought this up in her, I think, her uh, yesterday terrible take. I thought I'd ask a question about the 40 at the combine. A number of years ago, they brought the simul cam in into the mix, but sometimes it doesn't jive with the times or at least official times. Do you know why there is a difference and which is the more accurate for comparison? For example, he says, here's a link to Tavon Austin, uh, Marquise Goodwin, simul cam, but they're Official times aren't that close. 4.34 versus 4.27. He says skipped. Uh, he's got a video link in here that I obviously can't pass along in the podcast. Uh, in other examples, they've shown 0.07 seconds is a few steps. Uh, I guess just the, uh, the talk about 40s overall is, you know, I don't, I don't know who pushes the button on those things. You know, for, for a while it was Charlie, uh, Charlie Castley, right? Yeah. You know, and uh, hand times versus, uh, you know, it. I would imagine. Does NFL Network get the official times, or you know, is is how standardized is it? I guess for what we get, and the answer is I don't know. Well, I'm having a little bit of difficulty understanding the question. There's the, the initial time we see is the unofficial time. That's a hand time. And then you get the electronic time with all the timers you see there. That That's what has the electronic time um, that creates the actual official 40 time. Right. But he even notes, and I've seen this myself over the years, the dif- difference in kind of the simul cams. Uh, that they run. Is that just dependent on the guy setting up the simul cam and how accurate he is to try to get that thing close? I, you know, I, in other words, I think the limitations might be in the human aspect of it. I don't know. What does he mean? What do you mean by differences in simul cam? Uh, he said, and he's got a link once again, where their official times aren't close, but he skips to Oh four. Uh, and I haven't watched the video yet. Is he uh, saying like a guy that ran a faster 40 is, is losing in a, in a simul cam race? Right. Where does, okay. Where it doesn't make sense. Yeah. That, I mean, that's probably an NFL network. When do they start the guy running? And that's nothing to do with the NFL official time. That's just an NFL network. I, I, and why we track this the way we do, part of why we track it is at least you get, or at least you hope there is some uniformity as far as the system goes that you can look at player X versus, versus, you know, player Z or whatnot. Right. Yeah, I think for me, actually, just touching on the simulcam, I think it's really interesting when they run those things because I know some people will say, well, this guy ran a 4-4-0 and this guy ran a 4-5. That, that's a one-tenth of a second. What difference does it make? But when you watch a simulcam, that's a couple steps. That's a yard or so. And so that's where that time really matters. And I understand it's a 40-yard dash. It's not 100% applicable for football. Rarely are you running in a straight line for 40 yards. But just overall speed, one-tenth of a second can mean everything in the NFL. I mean, it's easy to get get amped up and watching the combine and 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 
come away and say, Oh, look at, you know, this guy, you know, because of the measurables aspect. But, you know, once again, it does, uh, what did Dan Campbell say? You know, uh, something about the tape and all like that, you know, uh, reemphasize that. I mean, you shouldn't get surprises as a team versus what happens at the combine versus what you've, you've, you've seen on tape. People will jump like well, it, it automatically forces guys like us to go look at the John Gaines, right? But the teams already knew about John Gaines. Yeah, but don't you think occasionally someone surprises with your sure, times that you just sure. want to go back and say, hey, I didn't expect the guy to run that or, or test this way? Sure, I think that happens for sure. Yeah. How about just a, a real quick sidebar I should have mentioned with the offensive lineman. How about uh, poor Isaac Williams, his Steelers assistant offensive line mm. coach, getting getting thrown out of the club by by Broderick Jones? How did uh, how did Williams get stuck <laughs> with the, the dummy defend, defender uh, guy in that drill? Yeah, lo- next man up uh, on, on low man on the total pole, right? Mm-hmm, uh, but uh, look, yeah, I, it was good to see. I mean, we saw Dunbar out there. We saw uh, Isaac. We saw uh, who else did we see out there? Chris Jackson was on the field. Uh, Grady, for, right? Yeah, Grady was going through some. I think putting guys through drills too, right? So, uh, uh, I mean, I, I I always enjoy seeing these guys. And look, you get into these pro days and all like that too. I mean, that's there's a lot of stock you can put into that. Yeah, just a real quick thing, by the way, on Isaac Williams, because he got hired last year. I don't think really any Steeler fans know who he is, and I didn't know who he, he who he was either. He got hired from North Carolina Central. So I was like, how does a guy from North Carolina Central go from there to the Steelers? Um, he's got a connection with Eric Bieniemy, and Bieniemy basically recommended him to Tomlin, and they brought him in for an interview and hired Isaac Williams on the spot. So they're just the, kind of the background there. He's the assistant O-line coach to Pat Meyer. Um, it was kind of Eric Bieniemy that, through like the Bill Walsh, one of those fellowships kind of all got his way to Pittsburgh. So kind of a cool, cool story there. All right. Uh, George, our buddy, George Herreras, uh, writing back in, Hey guys, it's George in Virginia here. Great coverage of the combine as usual. Quick thought. He says, I like John Michael Schmidt, uh, either 32 or even better at 42. I don't think age makes much of a difference for the Steelers with them drafting both Kenny Pickett and Najee Harris, both being older prospects he says quick question here how much stock do you put into the ras numbers versus the tape and where can i find the ras score results uh the actual address uh and he does a fantastic uh kit lee platt uh has become a guy that's been a must follow it's ras dot football uh, I use that quite a bit through the pre-draft process. Uh, how much, how much weight, uh, uh, do we put on? Look, I mean, I'll, I, I, I want to go look at the athletic profile, uh, of a guy right out of the shoot, uh, while, while studying the tape and see if I can pick up things, uh, change of direction. That's why, you know, I love 20, 20 yard short shuttle. I know Alex does too, the, the three cone and all like that. Hope that stuff, uh, doesn't go away at the combine anytime soon here. Uh, I mean, it, it, it means a lot, I think. And I think specifically, and we'll get to the point here, uh, uh, coming up here in April, sometimes after, after the pro days in where Alex will update the, uh, what the Steeders look for annual post and all like that. And, you know, up until now, that's, that's held a lot of, you know, I don't want to say you know, slam dunk water, but uh, a, a great, great bucket of generalization water, if you will. 
that's a good tagline for it. Um, yeah, it, it's it's not a hundred percent, but I think it provides just some good baselines for us to think about. Um, Boxes some, to check. Yeah, some positions more so than others. There was more of a correlation there, but yeah, I mean the RAS score. It's just good to have a level playing field. That's why I like the combine. Everyone's doing the same thing at the same time. There's no projection about tape and competition, and and the metrics and analytics are the same thing. Same numbers, same situation to kind of build that profile again. It's one piece of a big puzzle, but it is important. And, and the numbers have, I think, predictive power when used in the right way and using those more aggregate type numbers. And um, you know, it, it's worth talking about. You know, the tape is always going to be the most important thing, but you can't ignore what some of the numbers say about a player's chances for NFL success. Mark Miller writes in, says, am I missing the boat on drafting a tight end? He says, tight end isn't a position I have considered as a want or need. However, listening to the combine coverage, I heard that after the trade of Claypool to the Steelers, uh, uh, the Steelers used 12 personnel extensively. This made me think of a player like George's Darnell Washington would make a lot of sense for both the run blocking and passing downs. He says thoughts, question mark. Uh, <laughs> Mark, you ain't got to twist my arm <laughs> when it comes to uh, a, a guy like Darnell Washington. And, you know, I, I would think if you, if the Steelers were going to take him, I mean, any, he probably going to come off the board before, Will he come off the board before 49? You would think possibly, yeah, right? It might be a first. Again, I think 28 to Cincinnati might be his his landing spot. Uh, I get where you I, I will say this, Mark. Uh, you know, with all due respect to what Zach Gentry has done, uh, if you re-signed him on the super cheap here in the next couple of weeks, uh, I would not totally turn my head away from the, from, from a deep tight end class. If I thought I could up like Omar Khan said, you know, we'll see how much truth there is to, you know, we're not afraid to upgrading any rooms, uh, you know, in, in the draft. I think they could get better at the second tight end position. Cause you know, and, and once again, this is no disrespect to Connor Hayward either, but Connor Hayward's got a kind of a unique kind of skill set all to himself. Uh, I'm not, Throwing out twelve personnel uh, out there uh, a lot with 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 Connor Hayward attached to the line of scrimmage. It's just your that's not what you're setting yourself up to succeed to do. If you could come away, you know, with the in the middle rounds. Once again, this is going to be really dependent on what happens with with with, with Zach Gentry here. Uh, but if you thought that you could get a guy in the middle rounds that could be an upgrade as a end of the line blocking tight end why wouldn't you do that so i mean you i uh i see your thoughts mark and i i would not be opposed to it yeah and if, if gentry does go somewhere else then there's a, an immediate and obvious need at tight end that connor hayward cannot and will not fill and that then we'll be talking about tight end non-stop and so i mean we, we kind of expect gentry to come back but there is no guarantee of that so if he goes somewhere else it will become an immediate in a conversation for us and for mm-hmm. everybody else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it will. Second question Do you think Omar's background with working on the Steeders cap will influence his draft priorities versus free agent signings? He says, I know corners, offensive tackles, and edge players are typically more expensive to sign than safety, uh, interior offensive line, and, and, and interior defensive line. He says, This makes me wonder if he will look to draft more expensive needs. And into free agent signings for other positions. I don't think the 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 I don't think Omar's cap background 
or at least I hope it wouldn't, will influence anything related to what he does in in the draft or free agent. Yeah, I don't expect it to be the case. Um, Mike Tomlin is aware of what positions get paid and what positions don't get paid either. So it's not anything that's uh, you know exclusive to Khan, even though he's the, the been the name uh, main numbers cruncher. So. Nope, no, no change there. All right, let's end this one from uh, Jay White. Writes in with the NFL draft approaching. Can you describe the defensive lineman mold the Steelers look for in terms of size and technique? Do you have a few f- few good fits in any round that you'd like? Both those both nose tackle and defensive end area are 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 of interest. Keep up the great work. Look, I mean, we've talked about this several times over the years, yo, and we'll see how much it changed. One of the biggest things I'm interested in in seeing is are they more, will they get more resigned to the fact that you know, these guys aren't maybe as plentiful as they once wore, were talking about the six foot five, 302 pound uh, guy that you, you can line up at uh, uh, a, a, as a three tech, a four I, you know, four, four, four I tech, a five tech uh, kind of guy, a guy with the longer arms. Look, Brian Brzee checks a lot of boxes, but the arm length's not there. And you know, uh, uh, that's a little bit of a concern. Uh, you got a, a guy like uh, uh, Alex has in his his mock draft in Dexter. There's not that many guys in there. And then you take the, the step down a little bit to the to the Benton to to uh, uh, to Benton at Wisconsin, who's just not as tall. Uh, so you're giving up a little bit in there. So uh, those are the guys that they've generally been been looking for. Uh, and DeMarvin Leal some almost kind of fit that mold, but as we 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 you know, you kind of wonder can he can he be that eight hundred snap guy uh that, that lines up at, at at three, four, and five tech and just kind of off the cuff here, it doesn't feel like he can be that guy, you know? So are right. they going to start having to mix and match more with players that that have not technically been, you know, in other words, if they can't get the, 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 the Cam Haywards moving forward or the Stefan Tuits moving forward, are they going to have to start mix and match with, with body types that, that come with different skill sets? Yeah. I think they've already experienced some of that with a guy like DeMarvin Leal, who was that, that tweener type at A&M last year. Um, it used to be for those ends, they would just take the big defensive tackles that were six, four, six, five, 300 plus pounds and kind of just bump them over a couple of gaps. But in today's college football scheme, you got these small D tackles like Kalijah Cansey, right. for example, because they got to play the spread system and attack mobile quarterbacks and, and rush the quarterback. And so you can't move those guys as easily um, in terms of our look for study on DNs last year, just real quick, the requirements, at least 6'4", 290, 40 time, 10 split, didn't matter too much, 185, 10 split. Arm length, only 32, but some of the top end guys they drafted are, are longer. Kim Hayward, Stephon Tewitt had 34, uh, 34 plus inch arms, sometimes the later round guys. Those metrics kind of broke a little bit. Um, for example, LT Walton was pretty stubby, same with Isaiah Bugs, um, but early round guys, they, they prioritize length. Um, bench of 20, vert of 27, broad of 8.5, not a big correlation on three cone or short shuttle. So, um, that's kind of the type 6'4, 290, ideally 33 plus inch arms. 
and really there just aren't a lot of those guys that that exist they, uh, exist anymore to play D line. Look, I think they need to start getting away from because of this. Uh, and I haven't looked ahead in the next couple of draft classes or anything like that. But uh, I don't think I don't think you take the ruler out and because Kalaja Kansi, you know, isn't this you know, X and X, I, I don't think you just throw them out of the bathwater, you know, whereas in the past, it seems like that's been the case. Uh, I mean, your terrible take the other day on Kalaja Kansi was what? Uh, what was it about? Just about the polarization between, you know, do you like, are you going to fall in love with the, the testing and the one, seven, four, 10 split, or are they the measurables and lack of length? What's going to be the thing that you gravitate towards? And look, if you're going to talk about lack of length, I mean, you got to talk about the arm length of some of these guys at other positions and Brzee and and the arms and uh, even even on the offensive side of the ball with uh, uh, with, with a guy like Peter Skronsky, right? Yeah, my general philosophy is if you're going to kind of break those benchmarks, the further you get away from those benchmarks, the more special of a player and athlete you have to be. And so Kalijah Kansi really breaks those benchmarks. You don't really see any sub 31 inch arm defense alignment, but you know he can be a really special player. And so the further you get away from that, the more special you have to be. That's the conversation you have with with all these guys that aren't the cookie, cookie cutter type molds and builds that you would draw them up to be. I mean, but overall, you think they're going to stick to a lot of their print? I, 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 until we see otherwise, I don't think we have a have uh, uh, a uh, you know an option to think that they won't stick to a lot of their measurable principles. Yeah, it's their ideal. Um, now, there's always going to be exceptions, and the later you get into a draft, the more exceptions you can create because there's less risk, there's less investment. But at the top, I think you want to get guys that check all those boxes. They don't they don't come with those question marks. Uh, I lied. One last one from Gary Thomas. It's a good one. Hey guys, I haven't missed a podcast in four years. Keep up the great work you do for sure. The best place for Steelers news. Thank you, Gary. On Friday's podcast, Alex spoke about the outside linebackers and mentioned potential prospects playing with their hands down or on their feet. Uh, could you explain to the layman what the difference is and what traits you look for, uh, when making your judgment on draft candidates? I, I, I would just say, uh, I mean, I, I it's something that I, I might look at that more than Alex does, to be honest with you. It's one of the first questions I have uh, uh, when 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 looking at a guy on tape, uh, like uh, the guy uh, uh, out of Kansas State there that Tyler Wise and and, and uh, yeah, Anna Duque Uzama. Yeah. Uzama there. Uh, I mean, really, really got some nice tape there. Uh, the 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 thing that. Because of the kind of front, now look, the Steelers don't drop their outside linebackers anywhere close to what they used to. Those guys usually uh, get after it, and you you see a lot of them play with their hand in the dirt. But you know, I think if you, I think you want to know if they have some ability to a rush from a standpoint, stand up position versus their hand in the dirt, because at least it provides the threat that they're more than likely to drop into coverage. And do they have the do right. they have the fluidity and the ability uh, to to drop into coverage? Yeah, just to clarify, because he asked about hand down versus standing up. So hand down, if you're in a, in a three point stance, your hand is is on the ground the way that Cam Hayward's hand is on the ground. That's typically you're going to see that in a lot of third and obvious pass situations. If you watch a third and ten, odds are one or both of Alex Highsmith, TJ Watt are, are playing in a three point stance with their hand connected to the ground. Standing up is going to be they're on their feet. They're not. They don't have their hand down. They're on their feet. It's a two point stance. Um, that's the, the the basic difference there. Like you said, Dave, 
used to be they dropped their outside linebackers a ton. TJ Watts rookie year, he dropped. I think it was 37% of the time. Last year, it was around 5.5% for Watt. Highsmith was about 10%. Usually 10% is that number. But in general, it's a, it's a good measure of athleticism. Can you drop occasionally based on blitzes? Um, if you play teams that go more heavy, if you play teams that have twin receiver sets, for example, two receivers to one side, oftentimes the, the outside linebacker walks out and is in, in a hook zone kind of coverage there. And so there are certain situations, certain formations where you got to play in your feet. And so it is a requirement that you kind of have to have, even if, even if it doesn't happen all that often. But um, it's a good measure for hips. If you can turn and flip your hips in coverage, you can probably turn in a corner as a pass rusher. So if you're, if you're athletic to cover in space, it's an extra um, bonus into your overall profile. And it's also a bonus if they can rush the passer from a stand-up position effectively. Yeah, yeah, you better be able to to do that because you're can still they, playing. Can they have to get off, you know? Yeah, yeah, not just needing to to get off the line with your hand down. So can you do that with your uh, while, while standing up? That's important too. So, you know, it's just one of the things that I kind of look for when it comes to these edge guys overall. So, yeah, uh, But it has probably mattered less, less than, right. than past years. Okay, uh, got through most of them here. We've run a little bit long, probably not surprising there. So need to get this turned around. Uh, who knows what we got? News should be picking up here pretty soon, right? Uh, Today's already felt crazy just doing the podcast. Right. Like so much news just around the league has come out. And so that's going to continue, I'm sure. We'll know in the next week about any restricted tenders that this team hands out. Obviously, between now and you know the next you know seven to ten days, any 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 cuts that are made, and uh, obviously a week from today, the uh, legal tamper tampering period gets underway here. So uh, pro day is getting underway. We'll start tracking all those as well too. So an exciting time of year there. So uh, until uh, Wednesday, we hope to have uh, what Jonathan Hightritter and Joe Clark on the Wednesday show. At least that's the plan right now, right? Yeah, I'll have to check with them. I know I think Joe Clark has something going on later this week, but uh, I'll, I'll talk with them. We should have at least one or if not both of those guys, because, again, they did a tremendous job. We're super, thank- uh, super thankful for them, for their combine experience and insight and information they passed along. They they crushed it. So really happy to have those guys and want to hear about their experience and their thoughts, hopefully on Wednesday. Absolutely. All right. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at terrible podcast email the show the terrible podcast at, at gmail.com if you like what we do and want to donate to the cause steedersdepot.com hit the donate button upright navigational bar also if you like an ad free version of the site steedersdepot.com hit the uh, ad free button upright navigational bar as well too and uh, might be some site enhancements uh, forthcoming this week at least that's the plan uh uh we'll, we'll see what happens there so uh and also we got the live stream tonight right alex yeah, live stream 7 p.m. Uh, on YouTube. So if you have combine questions, more questions about the draft or for agency, uh, come hang out with Dave and I, 7 to 8 uh, p.m. Eastern tonight. Just check out my YouTube channel. Just search my name, Alex Kazora, and you'll find us. All right. Uh, until later on tonight or, or Wednesday, as always, thanks for listening to The Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. The new Chevy Silverado HD puts you in command. Own strength with its enhanced available Duramax 6.6 liter turbo diesel V8. Own the lake with its available advanced towing technology. 
and own technology with an available 13.4-inch diagonal touchscreen. The new Chevy Silverado HD. Own work, own play, own life. Learn more at Chevy.com. Find new roads. Chevrolet.